Will God send one final message before the end of the world to get human beings ready for the return of Jesus Christ? You're about to find out on His Voice today. Welcome to another His Voice Today with Steve Wolberg. Human history is checkered with great discoveries. In the year 1492, Columbus discovered America. In the year 1947, there was a young Bedouin shepherd boy out in the Middle East near the Dead Sea and he was throwing rocks into caves and he heard a clink sound and that led to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. In the year 1985, there was a group of French researchers on a ship way out in the Atlantic Ocean. They were closely monitoring the ocean floor with very sophisticated video equipment. And lo and behold, as they were looking into the monitor uh, one, one night, they saw these words materialize on the side of, a, of the wreckage of a ship, and it was SS Titanic. The discovery went from ship to shore and then from shore to shore all around the world. Great discoveries. But believe it or not, there is a greater discovery that lies waiting for us in the waters of God's last book, which is the book of Revelation, the deep waters of God's truth. And it is the message of the three angels, three angels' messages which we're told in Revelation have been specifically sent by God to prepare human beings for the return of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 14 verses 6 to 12 contain these powerful messages and I'll just read them right now just uh, by way of introduction and overview and then we'll go a little bit more uh, carefully into the details in a little while. Hold on to your seats and listen to this. Revelation 14, verse 6, the Bible says, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell upon the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea, and the fountains of waters. In verse 8 we have the second angel's message. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Verse 9 to 12 contains the message of the third angel. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, If any man worships the beast and his image and receives his mark, in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receives the mark of his name." Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Those are the three angels' messages in Revelation 14. When you look at verses 14, 15, and 16, which follow right after, it tells us that right after these messages sound out to the world, this is followed by the great event of the return of Jesus Christ. Verse 14 says, I looked and behold a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice, 
to him who sat upon the cloud, and he said, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time is come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat upon the cloud thrust in his sickle upon the earth, and the earth was reaped. So in Revelation 14, we have three angels that send messages to the whole world, and in verses 14, 15, and 16, we have a powerful description of the final return of Jesus Christ in the clouds of heaven. So three angels, return of Jesus. And this is God's way of telling us that he is sending these messages to help people to understand the issues and to get ready for the return of his son. It makes sense, if you think about it, that God would send a special final message to his world before the end because he always sends messages to humanity before any major event that happens in human history. Uh, in the days of Noah, God looked upon the world and he knew that it was wicked and it was time for a cleansing flood to wash wickedness away from his planet. And so God raised up a man named Noah and he, he gave him a special message about building an ark and calling people to get in to that ark before the water came down. When Jesus Christ was born, Many hundreds of years later, in fulfillment of Bible prophecy, God sent angels to announce to shepherds that in Bethlehem, the baby, the baby of all babies had been born, and that baby was Christ the Lord. When Jesus Christ began his public ministry, he raised up a man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was called by God to give a special message to announce the, the coming of the Messiah. We read about this in Mark chapter 1. It's very clear that God had a messenger with a message. Mark chapter 1 verse 1 says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. And then verse 4 and onward talks about John the Baptist, that God raised up a man with a special message to announce that the Messiah finally had come to appear in a public ministry to the world. The greatest event of all events was when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, heaven's sent Savior, finally gave his life upon the cross. He died on the cross. He said, it is finished. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down with power upon the early Christian church, and the disciples went out with a message, a powerful message, which lightened the world in those days, that the Messiah had come, that Jesus Christ had died, and that he had risen from the dead, and that he was indeed the Savior of the world. 2,000 years have come and gone since the days of John the Baptist and the days of Jesus Christ. Jesus is up in heaven, and we're not far away from the day when he will return. And when you study the book of Revelation carefully, it's very clear that the second coming of Jesus is a big event. And God wants people to get ready for this event, just like he raised up John the Baptist to announce the first coming of Christ, to give a special message. So he has sent, in Revelation 14, three angels' messages with special uh, information that human beings need to know to help them to avoid deception, help them to avoid Babylon and the beast and the mark and help them to get ready 
for the return of Jesus when he comes in the clouds of glory. This is what Revelation chapter 14 is all about, the sending of God's special message. Now let's go back to the days of Noah and let's look at the parallels because Jesus in Matthew 24 specifically said that what happened in Noah's day would be very similar to what will happen at the end of the world. In Genesis chapter 6, we find the Lord looking down upon his world and it was a sad sight. He saw life was a lot different from the days of the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were first created, uh, when the animals were all friendly and, and uh, human beings were pure. After Adam and Eve sinned and humans multiplied and history, fallen human history, uh, rolled onward in Genesis chapter 6, in verse 5, we find that God looked upon the earth and he saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man upon the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Can you imagine? Uh, God's crowning work of creation had, had strayed so far away from him. Uh, human beings were, were so reflecting the image of the devil instead of the image of God that the Lord looked at man and said, enough is enough. There's just uh, too much sin and I have to wipe the earth clean from humanity's wickedness. But thankfully in verse 8, the Bible says that uh, there was a man named Noah and it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God found a man and this man was a faithful man and he raised him up and he gave him a special message to help people, at least, at least those that were willing to listen, to get ready for the big event, which was the flood. In verse 14, Genesis 6 verse 14, God gave Noah special instruction about what to do. He told him to make an ark. God said, make an ark of gopher wood. And he gave them, him the dimensions of the ark, the length, the breadth, the width of the ark. And in verse 16, this is very interesting, verse 16 says that the ark was to be made up of three different stories. There was a lower, a second, and third stories you shall make of it. A three-story ark that God told him to make. In the days of Noah. Now, um, if you think about it, God didn't tell Noah to make five boats or ten boats. And he didn't tell Noah to give a message to people and say, um, you know, pick a boat, whichever boat you like, that's the boat that you can, you can get in. Uh, no, how many boats were there in the days of Noah? The answer is obvious. There was only one boat. Uh, and that was the boat that Noah was building. He, I'm sure he had friends or people that before the flood hit that helped him, his family helped him. Uh, his sons helped him, and they, they built and built for 120 years. Finally, at the end of those 120 years, the Bible tells us in verse 17 and 18 that it was almost time for the flood to come, and God gave instructions about what to do. Verse 17 says, Behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with you I will establish my covenant, and you shall come into the ark, 
you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. So God gave Noah a special message and he said, when you're done building this boat, I want you to call as many who are willing to get into the ark. Sadly, only eight people got in. The vast majority of the people that watched Noah build that ark for 120 years and heard him preach and heard the sound of the hammer hit, hitting the nail, hitting the nails day after day, year after year, their hearts were hardened. And when the Holy Spirit spoke to them one last time and said, this is it, That's, now's the time. Now's the time to get into the one three-story ark because the flood's about to come. Uh, sadly, the majority of people, they, they rejected the call and they didn't want to get in. And uh, when Noah and his family entered, the Bible says that the door of the ark finally closed, seven days went by, and then the rain began to come down. The water hit, and then everybody changed their mind. They realized uh, Noah was right. He wasn't just a crazy old lunatic with a, with a wild idea, but he really was God's messenger with God's message. And, but by that time, it was too late, and there was uh, no way to get in because the door had been closed, and it was closed for good. And so the water continued to come down and finally all the worldly wise men and all the mockers and all the scoffers and all the people that laughed at no one thought he was just a crazy deluded fanatic, eventually they ended up underwater and they died and God cleansed his world with the waters of a flood. Now, the Bible story of what happened in Noah's day is not just uh, history, it's not just academic history for us to just um, enjoy and tell our children about the story of Noah and the ark. But when you look at the New Testament, you look at the book of Matthew, Jesus made a profound statement in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 39, in reference to his return. Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were back in the past, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be in the future. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And then Jesus gives his punchline. He said, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, according to Jesus Christ, there is going to be a perfect parallel between what happened in Noah's day and what will happen at the end of the world when Jesus Christ returns. In Noah's day, the world was wicked. In our day, the world is wicked. In Noah's day, God saw that an end was coming. As God looks upon the world right now, he sees that another end is coming. In Noah's day, God raised up a man and he gave him a message and he told him to build a boat that had three stories, a three-story ark, and he called people to come in to that boat to be protected from the water when it came down. And it's the same in the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verses 6 to 12, we find messages very clearly, messages of three angels. Instead of a three-story boat, it's a three-story message. And that message is designed, instead of preparing people for the time of the water when the flood hits, the three angels' messages are sent by God to prepare human beings for the great apocalypse, for the grand finale, for the return of Jesus Christ in the clouds of heaven and to help us to understand what the issues are so we can be on God's side 
and not on the side of the enemy when the final crisis hits. So let's go back to Revelation 14 and let's take a closer look at these three angels. And as we go on into future programs on His Voice today, we'll go deeper and we'll look even more closely at these messages. But let's just give a brief, again, a brief overview and look at a few more details. In verse 6, the Bible says, I saw another angel. Now the word angel uh, is in the Greek, it's angelos, which is, uh, can, can literally be translated messenger. And it's significant that it's the same word that's used in Mark chapter 1 in reference to John the Baptist. When the Bible says, Behold, I send my messenger, the word is angelos. John the Baptist was a messenger with a message to get people ready for the first coming of Christ when the Messiah came. And in Revelation 14, 6, we have another angelos, another messenger with a message. And he's seen flying in the midst of heaven, which means he's, he's center stage, uh, right in the middle of heaven. And he has the everlasting gospel, which we'll talk more about in our next program. The everlasting good news to preach to them that dwell upon the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. In other words, this message is to go to the whole world. It's a special burst of final good news to the planet before the end comes. In verse 7, the angel says with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. We'll talk about that in the next program, the hour of judgment. God says that we're in a special time. The hour of His judgment is come. And then it says, And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. There's a special call to worship the Creator of heaven and earth. And then verse 8 goes into the second angel, and it's a warning. A warning about something mysterious called Babylon. Verse 8 says, There followed another angel, and he said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, it's fallen away from God, that great city, because she made all the nations, the whole world is involved in this deception, all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So verse 6 and 7 goes out to all the world announcing the gospel and that we're living in a judgment time and that we need to worship the Creator. And then verse 8 warns about Babylon falling away from God and deceiving all the nations. Those same nations that need the gospel are being deceived by something called the wine of Babylon. And as we'll see later on, the wine of Babylon represents the false teachings of a conglomeration of false religion that is designed to lead people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the worship of the Creator of heaven and earth. Verse 9 is the most solemn warning in the Bible, 9, 10, and 11. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice. And when it says loud voice, God does not want these messages to be stuck in a corner. He doesn't want them to be given with a whisper. He wants them, them to be heard uh, loudly all over His planet. Just like uh, Noah didn't whisper when he said the flood's coming. Noah gave a very clear, definite warning, and God wants a definite warning to be given to humanity before Jesus Christ comes back again. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man, this applies to the whole world, worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink the wine of the wrath of God. Now here we have two wines. We have the wine of Babylon. Those that, that drink the wine of Babylon 
which means her false doctrines and deceptions that lead away from the Bible and Jesus. And if they get the mark, then they will drink the wine of the wrath of God. Uh, I don't want to drink the wine of Babylon, and I don't want to drink the wine of the wrath of God. I want to drink into my life the pure truth of Jesus Christ, and I hope you do too. And that's what these messages are all about. The same shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. When it mentions the Lamb there, the Lamb is Jesus Christ. Uh, he is our Savior, and what Revelation is doing is ultimately it's saying that people have to make a final choice between the beast or the Lamb. Uh, I don't want to follow the beast. I want to follow the Lamb, don't you? If you had a choice between a beast or a Lamb, who would you choose? God wants us to choose the Lamb representing His Son. Verse 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. And then verse 12 is the verse that describes the safety zone. It's describing a final people who don't follow the beast. They don't get the mark. Uh, they're not part of Babylon. They're not drinking the wine, but they are getting ready for Jesus to come. Verse 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. We'll talk more about this in future programs, but God is looking for people who believe in Jesus, who trust in Jesus. The word and name Jesus is the last name before the period at the end of the third angel's message. He's the foundation of the message, the everlasting gospel. He's at the middle of the message. He's the lamb, and he is at the end of the message, uh, and that we need to have faith in Jesus. But it also says that we need to become saints who keep the commandments of God. We need to become moral people whose lives are changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. We don't want to just talk uh, and say that we're Christians, but we want to really live for Christ, just like Noah did. He lived for his God, and he was faithful. He prepared an ark. He gave God's message. He called people to get in, and he was protected when the water came down. And God is going to be protecting uh, a final group of people during the final hours of human history who are faithful to Jesus, who love the Lord, who love the Bible, who stay away from the doctrines and deceptions of Babylon, who worship the creator of heaven and earth, who uh, want nothing to do with the beast or the mark, but who want to follow Jesus Christ and um, the commandments of God as written in the Bible. They are the ones that will be prepared for the return of Jesus in verse 14, where it says, I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. It's harvest time, harvest time at the end of the three angels' messages. Verse 16 says, He that sat upon the cloud thrust in his sickle upon the earth, and the earth was reaped. Jesus is coming. I don't know when he's coming. I'm not a prophet, but I know that one of these days he will come, and the Bible describes him coming with a sharp sickle representing the harvest where he, where he, will, where he will separate uh, the world into two classes, those who follow the beast, those who follow Babylon, those who follow the doctrines of the devil. Uh, and in contrast, we have those who are his true followers, who truly love him, who believe the good news of the gospel, who don't just talk but who walk their talk and who have given their whole lives to Christ. Uh, they not only believe in Jesus but their belief and their faith is manifested 
by their works of obedience to the Lord. They love God uh, and they love their neighbor as themselves, as Jesus says we should do in his book. The three angels' messages, they're in the book of Revelation. This is a greater discovery than the, than the discovery of America, than the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, or the discovery of the Titanic in the waters of the Atlantic. This is a Titanic discovery in God's last book, the message of the three angels. Uh, I found that a little bit humorous some time ago when I read an article that came out of the Associate Press about a, a, a swarm of crazy ants that invaded Houston. Here's the article. It says, in what sounded like a, sounds like a low-budget horror film, voracious swarming ants that apparently arrived in Texas aboard a cargo ship are invading home, homes and yards across the Houston area, area. They are shorting out electrical boxes, messing up computers. The hairy, reddish-brown creatures are known as crazy raspberry ants. Crazy because they wander erratically instead of marching in regimented lines. And Raspberry, after Tom Raspberry, an exterminator who did battle, who did battle with them early on. They're itty-bitty things about the size of fleas, and they're just running everywhere, said Patsy Morphew of Pearland, who is constantly sweeping them off her patio and sweeping them out of her pool by the cupful. There's just thousands and thousands of them, she said. They're going fast, fast, fast. They're crazy. And then the article concludes by saying that the Texas Department of Agriculture is working with the Environmental Protection Association to stop the ants. Stop the ants. Ants all around the world. And as I think about those ants, I can't, think, I can't help but think about the devil and his deceptions and his delusions, which are all around the world, which have invaded planet Earth, which are trying to distract us and to lead us away from the truth of Jesus Christ and the message of heaven to get ready for his return. God has a message that will stop the ants, that will stop the Babylonian delusions of this world. And the message is the message of the three angels. In Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12, designed to prepare us for the return of Jesus Christ. Just like in Noah's day, God had a boat with three stories, so in the last days, he has a message of three angels to prepare you and me for the return of Jesus Christ. May God help us to study these messages, to discover them. They're bigger than the Titanic or the Dead Sea Scrolls or America, and through discovering them, we'll be ready for his return. You have just heard his voice today. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting messages just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.